Hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Dom. And on this episode, we are diving into... Toy Story! Toy Story. Welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast, where it's always 10.30 at night, so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Toy Story. So, Dom, before re-watching it, what did you remember about Toy Story? Quite an iconic film, Toy Story, for, for the, the 90s, isn't it? Because it's a really big uh, animated production. It's kind of the first film that kind of broke that, that type of animation and like smashed it as well. It was so popular. And I remember all sorts of things were like To Infinity and Beyond and You're My Favourite Deputy and just, just all the little phrases like that and Sid, the kid next door and his evil dog and obviously Andy and just all the different characters in it and yeah, just the general like sort of silliness and it's a really fun film actually and I remember liking it as a kid. So what about you? Well, it came out in 1995, so for context, we were between, what, seven and eight, yeah. around there. So we were perfect cannon fodder for this film, and that is what I mainly remember about it, is that I remember loving it, I remember seeing it at the cinema, and then a distinct memory I have about it is after seeing it in the cinema, but waiting for it to come out on home video. And you remember back in those days, or in the 90s, that could be up to like a year before it would come out, where now it can be as quick as like three or four months in, in some cases. You're almost streaming it straight away, aren't you? Yeah, well, with some Netflix productions, they can be streaming while being in the cinema at the same time. It's, yeah, ludicrous how... Times have changed, Dominic. <laughs> but I remember seeing it in the cinema, and then I remember swimming in the swimming pool, rather than where else you would. Where else would you swim? Where? Pond, lake, reservoir, in, sea, indoor swimming, river. I'll keep going. Bodies of water. <laughs> well, I was in the swimming pool, and I think I used to have swimming lessons. I loved them. And I remember distinctly doing backstroke, doing lengths, and just thinking about how much I loved this film and how excited I was for it to come out on home video. I then remember being at a childminder's house. Um, so as we spoke about in our previous Mighty Ducks episode, I used to have a lot of childminders, or what we call babysitters in the UK, for after school because my parents would be working until five and they wouldn't be able to get me until six. So I'd go to different childminders throughout the week. It's because they could only handle you one day a week each. So you had to have five different childminders. Multiple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember going to one of these childminders' house and they were like, so the kids... They're also kids in our um, school class. It was like their parents that were the childminders. And one of these kids being so excited and wanting the, the video, like the VHS of Toy Story, really wanting it. Did you get it? Did you get it? And, you know, the, the parent, no, haven't, haven't got it yet, haven't got it yet. Bad parent. <laughs> and then I remember, like, my dad coming to pick me up and coming to, like, the door and he had it in his hand. He had the video. And I remember looking at this other kid 
that parent hadn't got him the video and me looking at him and sort of in slow motion just smirking at him as I was walking out of his house like <laughs> see you later chump <laughs> going home to watch Toy Story and then I just remember watching it a lot and loving it but I haven't seen it since like the 90s I haven't gone back and rewatched it though I have I watched Toy Story 2 I'm sure at the time but watched Toy Story 3 at the cinema and Toy Story 4 recently at the cinema, but haven't gone back to rewatch Toy Story, the first one, so it was really nice to watch it in this context with the podcast. It's it's that nostalgic feel again, isn't it? So all, all of the films we cover have, you know, some sort of nostalgic sense to them, but like things like Fight Club didn't really because as much, because although we would have seen it back in the day, and we had a lot of stories about it, it we both said it wasn't a film that we really connected to. But this one is probably is, and it's one that we both, you know, would have enjoyed as as kids, and just all the all the fun stuff that came with it, and you know, then it's a, it's another big Disney film that you know was great and actually like groundbreaking for for what it was and the way it was made and and produced and stuff. I always connected you to being quite into Disney stuff because at your house you had like sort of Disney mugs and oh yeah. Can we talk about Mickey? We can discuss Mickey briefly if you want to. <laughs> He's still around. Okay. Can I, we can I, we pull the blanket back? Okay. <laughs> did you, did you think this wasn't going to come up? Yeah, I did. I did not expect this. Already so early into the podcast as well. Into the series. We've done other Disney films and you never mentioned it. I know. Didn't want to rush you. So, I have had a Mickey Mouse teddy sort of thing. Soft toy. Mm-hmm. For pretty much my entire life. Yeah. He's my friend. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an important part of my life. Well, can you talk where so you have this 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 is like your childhood teddy this is like the sleeps in the bed toy right this is the what? one used to come with me everywhere as well if i was going to people say if i come to your house it would come with me yeah yeah but and i think most people have have that have one you know something like that but what do you remember when you got him at first was he like a, was it like a baby toy that stayed with you or i think i was probably two one or two um, but I don't remember it. I just remember my mum saying that she had this toy to give me. And she'd been away or something like that and then came back and had Mickey. And, and I just went and grabbed it and just hugged it. And, and that, was that was it. Never it. let go. Instant connection. So Mickey is like your Woody. Yes. You would have you written could... Dom on Mickey's foot. I wouldn't write on him. Oh, God. Does, does he have a foot? His paw? <laughs> I don't Mickey the mice have paws? What do they have? Well, Mickey walks around in shoes and shorts on. So he's got feet. He's got a wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Walking around in Calvin Klein's. He's got so, a castle. But <laughs> he does have a castle. <laughs> it's interesting. So, but um, where's Mickey now? Like in He's at home. In what is his current setting? Like, does he remain in the bed? Or does he have a special drawer? Or a castle? This is so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> he sits so the the top of my bed has like a like a headboard, and it has a flat surface on top of it, and he sits on top of that. So he watches you while you sleep. 
He's not in a creepy way. Or got, he's guarding. Yeah. <laughs> but right, my point is of bringing it up. What was your childhood toy, son? <laughs> yeah. We're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> but, Next week. <laughs> Rugrats the movie. Hey. <laughs> hey. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on from that anyway. Go on. I guess my point is is that I always sort of associated you as a Disney fan. And I actually remember, I actually have a mug in my kitchen now that is from the Disney shop that has Donald on. And it actually, I actually got it to copy you because I wanted to be like you. <laughs> Just to reference Disney. It's almost, it almost a jungle book. Okay. Is that not? Is that not how it goes? Yeah, nearly. Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. Oh, ooby doo, I wanna be like you. I wanna walk like you, talk like you too. You see it's true. I I had a jungle book mug. Yeah. As well, that was one of them, wasn't it? I just know you had one, and it was like quite tall, and it had tall green one. Yeah, I have a tall green one. With Donald on it. Yeah. But like small. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember these looks. Yeah, I copied it from you. I can say it now because we're old, you know, we're older, we're past that. <laughs> that was what I was. I was like, it wasn't particularly because I wanted to be into it. It was like, oh, Dom's into it, so I want to be into it. Yeah. So, yeah, we can say it now. It's all right. <laughs> past the statue of limitations. Absolutely. Picked that up from Matt. I said it the week before. Okay. Listen back. Claiming it. <laughs> Listen back. My point is, I guess, is that I always associated you as like a Disney fan. So, and this is Disney's first collaboration with Pixar, which we'll get onto when we get into some of the deep dive. So, do you remember this being a particularly big film for you because you were in into Disney, or it just in general because you know everyone was into it and it was the birth of this sort of animation sensation that we're still in? I guess. I think. The second one, I don't remember this being a massive film, like one I would always watch. So you're you're right. We had a lot of Disney D, like videos, sorry, not DVDs at that in that time. Uh, a lot of Disney videos, things like classic ones like the like the Jungle Book, Robin Hood, uh, even things like Cinderella. Just loads, absolutely loads of them. I had like a Disney Christmas sing along video as well. Just all sorts. I had loads of them, um, which was great. Which is, I think I think it's quite important because it's a massive part of growing up isn't it especially you know when so many new ones are coming through that you know it's quite good for kids now i think to go back and and watch these ones and like enjoy the jungle book and stuff like that i think it, that was like the first film my brother went to see at the cinema and stuff like that so it's had a big presence shall we say in in our household for a long for a long time but toy story in particular was more kind of that revolutionary one that one that sort of broke the mold it wasn't you know standard animation it was Pixar's involvement and it was the first like proper digital one and it was one that although was like I said that that revolutionary point and changed the face of animation which was fantastic it wasn't one that I then bought and owned and wanted a Woody or wanted a Buzz or anything like that it was just I just enjoyed watching it well that was going to be my next question was from the success of the films came the the obvious the toy line which were incredibly successful, which we'll talk about when we get into the deep dive. So did you ever own any of the toys after the film was released? No, I didn't. Never. Didn't have anything, no. Did you? I did. I had a Buzz Lightyear. 
I actually remember when I got it, the film had been out for a couple of years. And so I was actually coming up to the age of maybe being like 10. And I remember thinking, am I too old for this? Like when I got it, but I still had it and like played with it sort of in secret or I had it in my room, but it would sort of be, you know, here behind a, I would say a book. <laughs> I have no books. <laughs> <laughs> behind other films. So it kind of came at that period of my life where you're a bit unsure of, what you're supposed to be into at that point where you sort of guiltily though you shouldn't feel any guilt about it still playing with your toys and things like that where you're also pretending to be into things that you're not really that into but you're still putting on this facade and bravado because this is what you think society wants you to be we live relatively close to a school to a secondary school high school and so at about half three every day and when I'm working at home you get these kids that are walking past the front of the house and you can I can often hear them because my office is at the front of the house and you hear them arguing and being douchey to each other and whatever and I try to think why is it that kids do this like teenagers they get all angsty and have to try and show off in front of each other and so on and so forth and I think I put it down to the fact that they're all trying to be like the alpha they're all trying to be like tough and hard and what they think like their dads are like and whatever and they often do it at the detriment of each other you know putting someone else down and put themselves up etc but I think a lot of it comes from instinctually as like men we all feel like as if we have to be an out al- the alpha dog do you know what I mean or you think I'm, I'm just chatting rubbish why, why, why do you think kids are douchebags <laughs> all kids uh, maybe not all kids, but um, it's a hormones thing as well, isn't it? They're growing up and they have to find their path, don't they? And, and how they do things and deal with things. And sometimes it gets to a point where they think they have to comply with like social conventions because if they don't, they're then the outcast and nobody wants to be outcast. So everyone wants to be part of a group and, and join in. And actually, let's, okay, I'm going to pretend that I enjoy this because it's the only way that I'll continue to stay within this friendship group um otherwise they'll go oh he doesn't like it so let's not bother with him anymore or you know she so that's yeah push them to the outskirts and that one person that is thinking differently must therefore be wrong yeah that's why it's so much harder in some ways for people to to be individuals and i fully admire people and and teenagers and and younger people that have the confidence and the ability to do that to be themselves in times where it's difficult to do that and where they could face adversity and I I wish that when I was younger that I could have been more confident and been like hey I'm playing with a Buzz Lightyear what's up I'm enjoying myself you have to remember you were 10 as well so like you're at that perfect age of playing with toys and stuff like that but you're you're right about what you're saying you you know um there's always that pressure that all my friends like football I should just be outside playing with a football not inside playing with a, a Buzz Lightyear toy you, you know I suppose if you watch the rest of the Toy Story film franchise you you see that message throughout as well though don't you even with Woody in the film he's like the most loved toy and then all of a sudden this new one appears it's like when a new friend joins the group and you're like hang on a minute this this person's is this person more interesting than me now um, have I lost my appeal? Maybe I'm not as funny as they are. Maybe I'm not as bright as they are. You, you know, and there's all of these things that will start playing on your mind, and then it, you almost isolate yourself. And it's it's only ever so like in the film, Woody kind of does that to himself, really, doesn't he? By not 
joining in and welcoming, he then makes himself the kind of social leper. And that's kind of what growing up is and society is, isn't it? And yeah, I think that's kind of my view on it. <laughs> and that's his own insecurities of not being sort of loved or being the, the alpha, I guess you could kind of say, because that is what his position is, isn't it? And that's not to say, I think a lot of the time, a lot of times the term alpha can is then associated with like alpha male, but, you know, alpha female, male, whatever. I also think that there's always one person that they're trying to impress. Or, or it's normally a group that they're trying to impress, but it's normally because they're after one person's approval. So they'll do something stupid or they'll say something nasty to get a reaction from everyone, but because they want that one person on their side. And that, that one person might be the one that they all perceive to be the alpha. And usually that person is the one that is the most insecure internally, mm. and they're pushing outwards to sort of push people in line with what with what they perceive it also connects to what we've said on previous episodes uh it was in the same private ryan episode about the front will over your brain that when you get to being in your mid-20s that you are able to reflect and become more self-aware of your own actions and i think like you said hormones the way your brains are developing that when you're a teenager or you know in those development stages it's harder to stand alone yeah i think what we're trying to say is be more like buzz be a bit more carefree but work hard try hard and you know go for what you believe in just yeah and just be you just live your life i never thought i'd say the phrase be more like buzz (laughs) what just caught me out sorry (laughs) be more buzz be more like buzz be more like buzz it could be the title of this podcast. Be more buzz. <laughs> but this film resonates with so many people because it has brilliant themes that we'll go through and drawbacks and relatability. When I said to my girlfriend that we would be doing Toy Story, would be the next one that we're talking about. She was like, I love Toy Story. I think this is an episode of the podcast that people will feel like they're able to listen to without watching the film back because you feel like you can remember it so well which is true but i seriously urge people to watch it back because if you haven't watched it since you were a kid there's so much layering in there for the parents and little jokes and quips that i picked up on this viewing that i would never have picked up before it's actually i don't want to spoil it too much for when we get to our judgments but it's a pretty perfect film Mm, it's a very good film very well put together very funny very as a, even as an adult now so it's funny as a kid because it's entertaining and it's silly and it's toys running around doing all sorts of silly things um but like you said the the layers that and disney do it so well now and i I'm, i probably have for a very long time even since like like you go way back and you'll see things that are for, for the parents but smart house well, <laughs> smart house was disney <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was disney you're correct uh, but you know Let's talk about Disney animation rather than... Steamboat Willie. <laughs> Steamboat Willie. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you go all the way back to, like, Toy Story, probably even before Toy Story, they do a lot of, like you said, the layering. So adding in a bit more adult jokes so that it's kind of... It becomes a family film that way. So the kids are laughing at the silliness. The adults are laughing at the slightly more intellectual joke that's a bit risky, 
probably to put in a in a kids film, but the kids aren't going to have a clue what what it's on about. But the parents are. And like I suppose like the bit between Bo and Woody is a bit about like coming around mine. I'm only a few blocks away. And he's like, yeah. It's like kids won't really really get that. But I suppose the yeah, that was definitely worth <laughs> Yeah, we'll get on to that. <laughs> I, what I think Disney has done, which is brilliant, and it could have fallen into the trap of not doing, is they've consistently adapted what they're delivering throughout the years. Why is that funny? <laughs> it's not funny, sorry. Like, they, they started in animation, and then they developed it into doing joint ventures and their own ventures of this sort of... 3D rendering animation of Toy Story and all the Pixar films, and then now have gone into doing the live-action versions using CGI and whatever of of readapting their their old content. It's like they've managed to have a, a concept and then put it through all these different renderings and adaptations, but still using the the same sort of stories, if you know what I mean, but done it to remain relevant. Yeah. And have done it at such a high level that that's evident of their success. You know, they're, they are in the position that they're in for a reason because oh. it is great content. And we discussed either on the last podcast or the podcast before that Disney own everything. I think it was the Fight Club podcast that Disney own everything. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're big, the biggest franchise in the world. There must be. Mm. The only people that might rival them is Apple. Dom, let's get in to this classic and let me tell you what I found on my deep dive. Ooh. So Toy Story was released the 22nd of November 1995. So right in the middle of our decade. I think this is the first film we've covered from 95. So new territory. It surprised me. I don't know if it will surprise you to know of its budget. Do you want to have a guess what the budget was for Toy Story? I would have thought it'd be really high. It's probably the number of people on it, like animators and stuff like that, is quite high. So what do you think? Just to give some context, I think, at least at one point, I'm fairly certain, if I get this wrong, listeners, listener, then, uh, you know, please don't chastise me too much. But I think the most expensive film at one point ever made was Spider-Man 3. At that point, it's probably been superseded now. And it costs about $300 million to make. Well, I was going to say 90 to 100 million to make this. Because it's like a revolutionary first steps into this sort of territory, etc. Yeah. Actually, the budget was $30 million. Jesus. Which I actually thought, oh, okay, that's actually, you know, relatively all right. And then it grossed. Do you want to have a guess? So remember, with Saving Private Ryan was in the late 400s millions. And Celtic Pride was just over nine million, and then did we say Fight Club was fifty million, wasn't it? Or hundred million? I think Fight Club was a hundred million. A hundred million, yeah. Right. So where do you think Toy Story sits? I think given how big it is, and does this include? Is it just the film, or is it? It must include everything. I would have thought. No, so this is just what the film grows. Oh, so it doesn't include the toy lines or anything. Okay, I'm going to go closer to the Private Ryan scale and say three hundred million. So close, it's three hundred and seventy-three million, and has a running time of eighty-one minutes. So it's actually quite relatively short. Yeah. So it was directed by John Lasseter. So interestingly, he worked at Disney, and then he was fired. And the reason he was fired was because he kept promoting to Disney that they should switch over to three D graphic animation. Wow. So they're like. No, we do old school, you know, pencil to 
paper drawings here, John. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> Leave! What a stupid idea. So guess what my man John did? What did he do? He's your man now. My man John. <laughs> Me and John. Did he start Pixar? He joined Lucasfilm and then later uh, returned to Disney when Disney then purchased Pixar. And at this point, John was the CEO of Pixar. So he went back to Disney as the man. My man, but also the man. Nice. Do you want to have him as well? Can he be our man? Our man, John? Keep him as your man for now. You don't want John. I'll have you're, some... you're on Disney, old Disney. Get out of here, John. I ain't walks, my man. No, I take that back. <laughs> Have you heard this theory that Walt Disney has, frozen. Hit, has the Hitler gene? Yes. And that he's been cryogenically frozen, hasn't he? I've heard this as he's, well. He's going to be revived when they've worked out how to revive him. Well, I think he's actually in the middle of Space Mountain. The ride? Yeah. That's <laughs> what keeps it mountainous. He might be there. All conspiracy theories are not our own. My man, John, also directed A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2 and Cars, uh, but he's worked as a producer on pretty much all of the Pixar stuff. John also had a hand in writing Toy Story, along with Joss Whedon, Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen and Alec Sokolow. Joss Whedon's the only one I'm familiar with, and he wrote Buffy, The Vampire Slayer. Nice. And like loads of other like program stuff like that as well and loads of others so he's like I know quite a lot of his work he's your man I had absolutely no idea he wrote Toy Story until today I was like well impressed with that and nice. I've shared that already with people did you know who wrote Toy Story no Joss Whedon and I'm like oh <laughs> you should say my man Joss Whedon my man Joss Whedon yeah he's listening so yeah the music was by Randy Newman who scored all four Toy Story movies and he has won two Academy Awards now a great link back to our previous episode The Mighty Ducks with Matt Doherty that was our last episode if you haven't listened to that one check it out Randy Newman is the cousin of David Newman and David Newman did the score for The Mighty Ducks that is a good fact and a good callback so the cast includes Tom Hanks who currently is recovering from COVID-19. So hopefully him and his wife, Rita, are recovering, as well as anyone else, obviously, that has the virus. Tim Allen and Jim Varney. Jim Varney is the guy that is Ernie in all those films. Like, Ernie goes to jail. Ernie goes to summer camp. Ernie goes to wherever. You know about Ernie? Was it Ernest? Ernest goes? Do you know about this? No. America's prison system, a feared and powerful institution, about to be brought to its knees by one desperate man. Oh, uh, I don't think our table has any steak sauce. Touchstone Pictures presents Ernest P. Worrell. Why are you such a screw-up? I'm just that kind of guy. He was just a simple man. The perfect choice. European styling with a decidedly American flair. Trying to lead a good, clean life this spring. It's the screen's most magnetic personality. I recommend the lobster. In the most electrifying Ernest adventure of all. He's had a real hard day. Ernest goes to... Jail! 
I think they're films that are bigger in America than they are here. Tom Hanks, obviously at this point, had been in loads of things. He'd been in Philadelphia, Big, Turner and Hooch. I'm trying to think of like his older films. Obviously, he would go on to do massive hits like Saving Private Ryan that we've covered, Cast Away. Terminal. The Terminal, <laughs> Captain Phillips. You know, loads of things. Tim Allen, who was in Home Improvement, but also in The Santa Claus. Was he in that by this point? That might have come after this. Yeah, possibly. I think... I don't know. He had done stand-up, but I would say he's probably most notably known for Home Improvement. Did you catch the little reference to Home Improvement in the film? No. So there's a point when we'll get there as we go through but where woody is and buzzer in sid's room and woody gets trapped behind a toolbox and on the toolbox it says binford tools which is the tool company that uh tim allen promotes in home improvement Ah, that's good i like that i did not know that i like that a lot well done so disney and pixar had issues and difference of opinion on the story of toy story disney wanted it to be edgier Disney even shut down production of Toy Story at one point wow Just Whedon just want to put vampires in it <laughs> I think they thought that it was not interesting enough Ooh. Toy Story had a 3D re-release of Toy Story in 2009 25 million Woody and Buzz dolls have been sold to date wow which is a lot each I think collectively okay uh, yeah, a lot. It'd be interesting, the disparity between the two. Would you imagine it to be pretty even, or do you think people would prefer one over the other? That's a good question. I actually think, I think it'd probably be quite even. I, mean, you wouldn't, I know it sounds stupid, but instinctively I think it would be outweighed to Buzz. And people would have bought more Buzz Lightyears. But I think it's probably actually even. We play a game on every episode about guessing the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes score. So, Dom, what do you think the IMDb score of Toy Story is? Eight. Close. It's 8.3. It is in the IMDb top 250 movies of all time. As a reminder, Fight Club was 11, and I think Saving Private Ryan was like 27 or in the it's in the mid to late 20s. Yeah. Where do you think Toy Story is? I'm going to say 15. It's actually 81. <laughs> hey, still up there. It's a groundbreaking film. I thought it'd be really high. It was nominated for three Oscars and it won uh, a special achievement award for, you know, breaking ground with, with what it had done. So, some trivia about the movie. Sid, the evil next-door neighbour, was actually based on a Pixar employee who liked to dismantle toys and then create his own hybrids. Wow. Imagine being that employee, thinking, this kid is based on me and he's a nut job. (laughs) Yeah. Billy Crystal turned down the role of Buzz before it was offered to Tim Allen. Billy Crystal went on to voice the little one in Monsters, Inc. Mike Wazowski. There we go. Yeah, alongside John Goodman. Yeah, that's right. So he got his success. He got into the into Pixar. <laughs> Tom Hanks recorded his audio during filming breaks of Sleepless in Seattle. I didn't know that either. It's interesting. This I, I really like this one. Sid's carpet 
is made to mimic the carpet in The Shining. Oh, that's creepy as well. well I love that's that in these Pixar films is they're able, because they control the entire environment, that they're, they're able to do anything they want, pretty much, aren't they? So They don't have to build it or actually make it or buy it. They, well, obviously they have to pay for it in the production, but they have to, you know, they can essentially just, they can essentially just create it right in front of them, can't they? It's a computer and, you know, not Microsoft Paint. <laughs> well, hopefully for the 30 million budget, they weren't using paint. But, <laughs> but yeah, they're able to create whatever they want. So they seamlessly can put in all these little references and clever little jokes within the, the scenery and little Easter eggs. And I love later down the line in the Pixar films, they do their own outtakes, you know, where it's like pretending like they're, they're the actors. It's brilliant. I, I love all of that. And I think that's been part of their success is that they're self-aware in a way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And they know it's it's fun entertainment, but they, yeah, I, I like the little outtakes they do at the end and they make, yeah, putting that extra effort in, isn't it, to make the, the characters seem like real actors that have done something silly and go, oh, you know, move on. So. Like the boot, the mic boom falls into frame and things <laughs> like that. It's brilliant. So we talked about the toolbox that Woody gets trapped behind, which is Binford from Home Improvement. This was really interesting. In 2013, a real-life version of Toy Story was filmed shot for shot, like mimicked, with real toys. It took two years to film. Who has that time? So I'm assuming, this is just an assumption, that it was like a, a project for, you know university or college or, or something like that but yeah it took two years to do it so i don't know where that's available or where that can be found but it would be really interesting to see that's mental but okay great so they had like a real andy real mom real baby yeah everything and then... shot for shot everything wow that's commitment to toy story isn't it it really is two years two years Fair play. Well done. So Toy Story was the highest grossing movie of 1995. Tim Allen's favourite line in the movie that or dialogue that he delivered was... What do you think? The fact you're asking the question means it's not going to be to infinity and beyond. So, I don't know. You are a sad, strange little man. Oh, of course. And you have my pity. That's actually like the best line in the film. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Farewell. Toy Story employed just 110 people to create the film. In comparison, in 1994, so the year before, The Lion King, which obviously is animated, employed how many people, do you think? Wait, how many was on this one? So it was 110 people to do the digital graphic animation and, and everything on Toy Story, how many people do you think were employed to do The Lion King done in traditional animation? Double it. To uh, what? 200 220. people. Yeah. That's the over 800. <laughs> Just to draw a lion. <laughs> a couple lions. And a rock. There was a few lions. Oh, his pride rock. Sure. No, I, I don't know. Lion King's a really, really good film. It's Hamlet. It's Ham right. It's Hamlet. It's more. It's more Shakespeare. I told my wife about that you were making these references to Shakespeare, <laughs> but and she doesn't she, listen. And she, <laughs> she's not our one listener. <laughs> and she said, "Oh, amazing! That's really interesting." 
so how could Romeo and Juliet as an example be done in one act and I was like I don't know and she's like he didn't say and I was like no so as you brought it up Dom tell us how could Romeo and Juliet be done in one act rather than three I need time I need time to prepare he's sweating (laughs) but what I was getting at though is that it's all it's all about it's all about lies isn't it and not not being forthcoming with the truth so if if they weren't like hiding things and running around they wouldn't you know they wouldn't have to lie but the whole point of Romeo being dead at the end of of the play yeah is because he thinks Juliet is dead but she's not dead she's taken something to pretend to be dead now had she you know revealed that earlier to him we wouldn't have had the problem of you know the teenage suicides at the end of the play <laughs> all the teenage you know I'm right mm. <laughs> yeah yeah. Anyway, Lion King, Hamlet. So Lion, to Toy King, Story. Lion King's Hamlet. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. It's a good and a bad thing in a way because I guess this has cost 700 people's jobs moving on to the graphic animation but it's elevated the game and elevated the genre. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I suppose you'd hope that those people have moved on to go and do other things. Or into 3D animation. Yeah. Or... They've, they've moved with the time as well so they might potentially have gone on to do other projects while Toy Story was being put together. And you actually, they would have gone, I only need this many people to, to make it, so those people can go and make another one, and another one, another one, sort of thing. As long as they've come along with it. So Buzz was inspired by Buzz Aldrin, who was the second man on the moon, which I didn't know, and then I read that, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so... Randy Newman, who did the music, he wrote, you got a friend in me in how long? Three minutes. Okay, maybe. <laughs> I have it just one day. He I mean, that was just... really... <laughs> Which obviously, that's iconic. That's but... very good to get that, get that in a day. So did you notice that Steve Jobs was an executive producer on Toy Story? No, didn't. Well, that is because he actually owned Pixar at this time. And he had his own reservations about the movie to the point that he thought about selling Pixar because he was so unsure of how the film was going to perform. But as the film developed, his opinion changed and he thought it would become a milestone movie, which he did. And then he sold it to Disney, Pixar to Disney later down the line. And Steve Jobs had amazing foresight into everything. Yeah, steps ahead of everything. From from turning around and saying, this, you know, he's going to create a tiny box that can sit in your pocket and you can listen to whatever music you want to to thinking that you know Toy Story would be a flop but actually no sticking with it so you must have thought actually there's there's something to be gained from this and wow I didn't know that at all fantastic I had seen that it was Lucas Sound at the end of the film as the credits were rolling I noticed that it's Lucas Sound so the connection to when you said it a minute ago the connection to Lucas Productions and stuff made sense but I didn't know any of the Steve Jobs stuff. That's really cool. There's a lot that can be said about Steve Jobs and controversy about how he treated employees, so on and so forth. But a point that no one will ever take away from him is like what you just said, is his vision. And he was a visionary. He... <laughs> He's sort of frozen. Are you okay? What? What is he? Uh... He's a visionary. <laughs> okay. 
So we could go on for days about trivia. There were tons and tons more, but as always, all of that stuff is online. So <laughs> that's not what this is about. This is about us going through the film, talking about what we love about it, and giving our analysis and judgments. Are you ready, Dom? I am ready, Simon. I said, are you ready, Dom? I'm ready, Simon. Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. So let's talk about Toy Story. So it opens up with classic music and we get Andy playing with his toys and he's playing with Woody as the hero and Mr. Potato Head as the villain as the antagonist yeah and he's like trying to rob a bank and it what I love about this opening section is it is like how we all used to play with our toys is that none of them would really fit together he's got a dinosaur Mr. Potato Head you know a slinky dog but you know, he makes them all sort of interact and work and he's doing all of the voices and moving everything around. And yeah, it's really, watching it as a kid, you love it because it's fun to watch. And then watching it as an adult, it makes you nostalgic for when you were a kid playing like that. Or what did you think? Yeah, and using the boxes as well that have all got stuff written on them like bank and jail and, you know, or sheriff's office or something like that. Uh, and the, I love the poster that they made that obviously Andy has made that says wanted 50 bazillion dollars um, which is really good and it has a picture of Mr Potato Head on it and it, just the that feel of play isn't it which is really good and, and good fun already so like it kicks like the film off with like a sense of fun already which I really like and when you look around the room you see lots of woody posters and things that just illustrate that Woody is Andy's favourite toy and he's the main guy and he is his Mickey Mouse and, <laughs> and we all have one I had a Chucky from Rugrats and oh. I have no shame he's upstairs right now he's missing pretty much all of his fingers because I used to chew them off in bed <laughs> and that's my that's my guy for life that's that's the homie forever. If the house started to catch fire right now, he is where I would run upstairs and what I would get. That's what you save. They're irreplaceable memories. Absolutely. And, you know, parts of your childhood. Chucky, are you okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Are you kidding? That was the funnest line I ever had. How'd you do it, Chucky? Yeah. You overcome to your fear. I just did it, that's all. My teeth were clicking and my hands were shaking and my pants was wet. But I knew I had to do it, so I just let myself go. We all had a Chucky or a Mickey, and it's all good times. But what I also loved about this opening scene was I, I just remember being like this. I used to play like this or play with my dad and my mum like this, and we'd do all the voices and... As we've spoken about in other podcasts, you know, I would play on my own a lot because everyone hated me. I <laughs> lived a life of solitude, pretending that Charlie Conway was in my school and, you know, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. But it's just really, it's just nice and it's really well done. So Woody's the only toy that's allowed on the bed. The bedspread and... is is of him as well, isn't it? And it's all very cowboy-orientated room like you said as we go around the room you see all the cowboy poses there's a it doesn't say woody's roundup it says something's roundup so it's obviously like later on in the franchises woody's roundup is one of the programs that obviously 
the character where he's from and there's a poster of that on the on the on the wall and there's the drawings that he's done on his pin board isn't there of Woody and in different poses and with his lasso and stuff like that which is really good we get introduced to Andy's like baby sister and she picks up Mr. Potato Head just slamming him on the side of her cot and he's as he's just falling apart into pieces which is like I think I think Potato Head in the like the beginning of the film has all the best lines because he says at this point he says ages three and up I'm not supposed to be uh, babysitting Princess Drool which I thought was really funny (laughs) like even watching it back um, earlier it, it was still like a funny line and there's other lines that he seems to have like he seems to have lines that I, I think are actually like the really funny like amusing lines and almost like the comic silly one like relief in the middle just to chuck out like the I don't know he's like quite sarcastic isn't he which, yeah. I, which I really like about him he has the sunny disposition of <laughs> being sort of grouchy but lovable as well yeah well we get introduced to all of the toys where Andy leaves the room and the coast is clear and Woody and the toys come to life. And then this is really tidy introductions and exposition where Woody's sort of walking around and he's talking to each of some of the main sort of toys like individually, but is introducing us to them as the audience. So he talks to, plays checkers with Slinky, the dog first, who's kind of like Woody's number two, isn't he? He's like the... He's not his right-hand man. Yeah. And we get introduced to, like, Mr. Potato Head saying, like, what you just said, and Rex the dinosaur who wants to be scary and do a big roar, but he, he can't, he doesn't, like, have it in him. And we introduce some of some of the other toys and then well, they have their, their staff meeting. Well, just before that, it's Potato Head, when he's putting himself back together, he says, hey, I'm Picasso, because he's put everything all jumbled up. The pig, the pig's name. Porky? <laughs> the pig says I don't get it and he goes you uncultured swine which I think is a, is a great line as well it's another line that I thought was fantastic and then he turns around and says what are you looking at you hockey puck yeah and he's talking to a hockey, hockey puck, puck. <laughs> well, apparently the, the actor the voice actor that's like his catchphrase it's something he was known for so I think they just put the hockey puck in there so that he could say it and it'd be like a drawback to him oh that's cool I like that hey here Look, I'm Picasso. I don't get it. You uncultured swine. What are you looking at, you hockey puck? We also get introduced to Bo Peep. And as you said, this is where we have some more adult-type references about, you know, coming round once she's put the sheep to bed. Well, put the sheep out. Put the What's she doing with the sheep? She's putting the sheep away. Put them away. Just put the sheep away. Sure. And then, yeah, you can come round and I'm only a few blocks away. And I'd never noticed that she walks past the ABC blocks on the on the ground. Or see, and, and like as a kid, I don't think you ever notice. So you always just assume it's... I didn't notice now. Like, That's really clever. Blocks. There's three blocks on the floor and she walks past them. And he's like, I'm only a few blocks away. And then he's like... <laughs> Brilliant. They have the staff meeting and this is where Woody is using like the microphone and there's some great little lines in here. He says, you know, thank you everyone for coming to the plastic erosion 
yeah. awareness it's evening Tuesday, or something. Tuesday night's plastic corrosion awareness evening was like a great success or something like that. And I love that. That was brilliant. So one of the, the big topics here is that Andy's birthday party. Yeah, when he's, when he's standing at the top, he's got his clipboard, hasn't he? And he's, he's discussing with everyone all the things that are happening. So he says, Tuesday's corrosion awareness evening was really good. Plastic corrosion awareness was really good. Um, this is coming up. This is coming up. And yeah, Andy's birthday has been moved forward to today. And they're like, what? Today? And they all panic and start running around and going crazy. He's like, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. And he's trying to keep everyone calm. And it's like, eventually gets to the point of, oh, if I, if I assemble the troops and get the soldiers to go down, are you going to feel a bit more comfortable about this? And they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the, the, this was actually my favourite scene as a kid. I remember and I got all these flashbacks of when he sends the troops out and they're with the parachutes. This was all my favourite part. But ironically, what Woody is trying to reassure all of the other toys about is that no toy will be replaced, which obviously looking at it back now, he wasn't thinking that he would ever be replaced because he's like on this untouchable level of being Andy's favourite. And obviously, ironically, as we go through, he is the toy that potentially is, well, not being replaced, but being pushed down the, the ranks. Pushed down the side of the bed. Exactly that. Yeah. Nice. So he sends the troops... But before that, the toys are able to see out of Andy's window that his friends are arriving and there's some great dialogue in there of... The boxes are getting bigger and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then Slinky goes, oh look, there's a small one and the kid turns around and it's huge and they're like, ah! <laughs> and the window's wobbling as well. The uh, blind is like getting all shook up. <laughs> it's brilliant. And then the, the kids arrive... It's a code red. Woody sends the troops out and they do their recon down the stairs and they're doing the parachutes and Andy's mum is, is coming through the door and they freeze and then she accidentally treads on one and kicks them all to one side. And then there's the, the one soldier that's like broken. Go, go on without me. It's just go. A good soldier never leaves a man behind. <laughs> bring him back and then they go into the into the plant pot and what I loved was there was a medic <laughs> working on it with a little medic's helmet it's yeah. like little details like that is brilliant it's patch, patching him up <laughs> but that line of go on without me it was always that was my favourite bit as a kid I remember always like rewinding that bit go, go on without me it's just go. a good soldier never leaves a man behind <laughs> it's brilliant so I was watching that and you was watching Saving Private Ryan not yet and three years to wait. Three years to wait. Yeah. Three years later. Three years later, I became weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is where it began. Maybe. <laughs> Ruined by Toy Story. <laughs> so the, the troops are reporting back as Andy is opening up all of his toys. And it's like, oh, it's not this. It's, you know, a blanket. It's fine. Oh, it's not this. It's this. Okay, it's okay. It's a puzzle. It's a whatever. It's nothing that's threatening. And the, the last one is a board game, isn't it? Battleships is open, which later on you see them playing. Ah, oh, that's a good tie back. <laughs> I didn't notice that either. Yeah. And then 
they think it's all over, it's all good, and then nope, mum pulls out a surprise present, but all of the kids gather around, so they're not able to see what it is, and then it's a code red as Andy's coming upstairs, and then he leaves his new present on the bed as him and his friends leave. It crash lands. Crash lands. Crash lands on the bed. Woody climbs up onto the bed to see what this new toy is. Woody's saying to the other toys, don't worry, it's just a mistake. Let's go and give it a nice welcome. So it goes up onto the bed to, with all the best intentions, and he sees their Buzz Lightyear, like the coolest looking sort of modern toy, which I guess is a good juxtaposition of Woody being this sort of retro vintage more like toy and then Buzz being the new shiny has all of the mechanisms and flashing lights and everything toy so it's the complete package and new and shiny and inviting yeah Uh, this leads on to like a great bit where he tries to get in touch with Star Command Star Command, so come in, Star Command, and then he, obviously there's nothing, and then he goes Space Rangers log, and starts seeing his little log and like looking around. I appear to be in this place and that place, no signs of intelligent life, and then Woody goes hello in his face. And he's like, Rah! yeah, that's good. I always like that that in, that section. So he has more gadgets than a Swiss Army knife. So Woody and Buzz talk, and it's very evident that Buzz, unlike the other toys is unaware that he is a toy. He thinks that he is Buzz Lightyear, he is a space ranger, and that he is on this unknown planet. Which is interesting, because does that mean that all of these toys start that way, and then they have to discover that they are a toy, or is this something unique to him? Which, like, as we see from Buzz, what a discovery. It just changes his whole mentality, doesn't it? You know, and, and, and the character that he is. And he, I mean, he eventually pulls that back and gets back to it, doesn't he? But it affects him a lot psychologically. It has a big impact on him. So can you imagine that happening to each and every toy? Um, I mean, hopefully you'd hope that most of them just know they're a toy um, and that he's just got some sort of weird programming that means that he doesn't... It's just the way he's been put together. At this bit, that Woody's getting annoyed because they all keep asking him questions as if he's a space ranger. And he's like, he's a toy. Stop it. He's a toy. And then, like presses the wings, doesn't he? Presses the button and it ejects the wings. He's like, hey, don't do that. And then he there's one, he grabs them and like pulls it. See, look, he's just plastic. And starts waving it around. And you see Buzz's face like, getting like shook about. He's incredibly dismissive of Buzz immediately. Like, he is immediately anyway. threatened by him, especially because he was put straight onto the bed. Yeah. In his spot. Because he was knocked off, wasn't he? Knocked off by another kid. That's it. You would assume another kid. If it was Andy, oh, shame, yeah. shame on you, wouldn't do that to Mickey. No, <laughs> Mickey never <laughs> went down the side of the bed. No. Yeah, we assume it's another kid. It also, I think, Woody feels embarrassed, like the other, when he comes out from under the bed, before he goes up to, to meet with Buzz, some of the other toys are like, Woody, ooh, like the fall from grace, like literally and physically. So Woody then challenges Buzz to fly. It's like, you can't fly. And then we have this great sequence of him falling with style as, as it becomes known of him sort of falling down on like the roller skate and round the loop the loop and up and round from the, on the, 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 the ceiling light yeah on the yeah going round and then back on the bed back on his feet perfectly and not only do all of the other toys are completely convinced by this <laughs> 
But it, so is Buzz. He's further convinced that he can fly and he can do these things. So it doesn't do any any good for Woody's position. Well, he says, I'll do it with my eyes shut. So he does. That's the whole thing with his eyes shut. So he, in his perception, he has flown around the room. Yeah, he's unaware so. of these little coincidences. <laughs> yeah. His little support. Yeah. It's, it's, a great, it's a great scene. This is also before starting this flight we get the first incarnation of to infinity and beyond so buzz falls with style woody isn't impressed woody starts trying to reluctantly convince himself you know they'll see i'm still andy's favorite he's reluctant to change which is a really uh, important point as well i think is that he has to be like we were discussing earlier with the kids and stuff like that he's like i'm still the favorite you know and he, it's quite that selfish brattish sort of moment of i i will be the one that holds his attention so you know none of you need to worry because i'm still going to be in charge but this new like fancy swiss army toy has appeared and yeah has, cha- has already changed that it's like Woody needs the validation and he can't self-validate. He need the, His position in the hierarchy is more important to him than it is to anybody else. And in all of these cases, when he is able to be secure in himself, he doesn't need to look to others for the security, then he will obviously, he will then be happier. Exactly, because even Buzz goes, hey, sheriff, so, you know, and refers to him as being a sheriff and a lawman and someone who's in charge around here. Had he continued that and gone, yeah, I've got him in charge around here, but, you know, it's nice to meet you and, and been a friendly, nice toy to another toy and welcomed him and just sort of seen him for what he is because he obviously doesn't know who he, like, he's a toy and he's just a bit silly. Everyone else would have accepted it as well. But it's the fact that he kept pushing and saying, I'm the favourite, I'm the favourite. Don't listen to him, don't like him. He's just silly. He thinks he's a space ranger and he's just a toy. Whereas the others are quite accepting of just this is what he believes let's just go along with it if he had done the same it wouldn't have been a problem would it exactly that they would have mirrored his behavior and we would have got to the end right in the beginning in about 15 minutes would have been (laughs) would have been shakespeare all over (laughs) so a little bit of time goes on and we start to see buzz is actually making the other toys better like he's helping rex lift up his diaphragm to be able to roar louder and doing these positive things for other toys there's the nice sort of montage isn't there where he's they're all at like the gym they're all like doing weights aren't they and like rex has got a pencil and he can't lift it and he's on the robot that's upside down and running on the on the robot uh buzzes i mean um and it's just like loads of other little things that they're they're all doing together and then they they bring the ship in don't they because oh when the ship lands it's like got a broken wing and there's like, where's the adhesive tape that you've promised me? And he's just waiting for them to bring him basically sellotape to, to repair his little ship. And yeah, like I say, he's kind of making them a bit bit better. And he's just getting something back from them as well because they're just joining in and they're playing, which is what they're made to do. But Woody is not happy the whole time. And if Woody really wanted what was best for their toy community, he would be fully supporting this. But as we've said, he... It's sad that he's losing his spot, not only with Andy, but also amongst the toy community in Andy's bedroom. <laughs> Absolutely. It also goes against his own beliefs, If you, but we get to later. And when he's 
trying to convince Buzz that hey, you're a toy. You're we're here to make you know children happy. Like that is what their main purpose is. And obviously, Buzz makes Andy very happy. So you know he should be on board with that. You well, know, but it's his own yeah insecurities. I haven't discussed my theory that Woody is a toy murderer. No, you have not. The magic eight ball. No one ever recovers that from down the side of the desk, do they? No, they don't. And then he tries to kill Buzz. And then he doesn't show any remorse. And the only thing he worries about is the other toy's perception if he, do- if he goes back to the room without Buzz. He's, he's not actually... I think he's got psychopathic tendencies. He actually has no interest in Buzz being alive and okay up until, like, the end. So he, his only interest is, I can't go back to the room without Buzz because I need him for them to accept me again. To get his leadership position back. Yes, but the irrelevant, unnecessary toy, the Magic 8-Ball, is never being recovered from down the side of that desk. And there's no plan in place to save that Magic 8-Ball. You're really concerned about this 8-Ball. Worried about it. You had one, an 8-Ball, didn't you, as a kid? I had something similar. Yeah, or I like, think it was an eight. Or like a key ring or something. Yeah. You had something. Yeah, yeah, it was a little key ring, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also, I also wanted one, because you had one. If you'd asked me for it, you could have it. I was witty. I was secretly planning to murder you. Oh, God. <laughs> you shot me down the side of a desk. <laughs> that, that's interesting. It's almost like he's like Palpatine in Star Wars. You'll never watch Toy Story the same again. I'm scared that I won't. <laughs> I'll never look at Woody the same way again. So we're having these nice moments with this montage. Well, nice for Buzz, not so nice for Woody. And Woody just keeps trying to pull Buzz down. He confronts him and saying, you know, stop with the whole spaceman thing. You are, you are a toy. You are not a spaceman. But Buzz isn't having any of it. And then we are introduced to Sid, the next door neighbour, who the toys are watching from Andy's bedroom window as he is about to blow up a like a gi joe type doll that's strapped to a firework yeah yeah it's yeah it's attached to like a small explosive isn't it and it's all a bit like oh god and buzz is like i can save that toy i can can make it i can save him he doesn't yeah he doesn't say toy he says something like he calls him like a soldier or something or like yeah and uh because he doesn't view any of them as as toys and yeah thinks he could save them they all duck for cover and boom there there goes the toy which is the perfect antagonist of course is a, a, a child which to use my favorite buzzword it seems at the moment he is the juxtaposition to andy where andy plays with toys because he loves them and he's very positive and even their whole houses are completely different andy's mum is very involved and loving etc and then sid's house is you know, very dark colours. One thing that I didn't notice until this viewing is we see Sid's dad at one point and he's like asleep watching TV, but all seems a little bit the opposite of Andy's household and, and his life. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's, well, there's no dad in Andy's life. Which is an interesting yeah. point. It doesn't ever really get touched on in this film. I can't remember if it does in the future ones. I don't think so. I'm not sure. But I think there's there's either theories from from this just this film anyway. There's like a theory that he's they're either getting divorced or he's dead. The dad. Let's talk about death. <laughs> Let's bring it up. So there's no there's no like father figure, but he's still a well rounded, well looked after kid. And the next door there's a mum and a dad, 
and the sister because they're going you know and they're, they're shouting quite a lot at each other but the sister's normal fairly normal and plays with her toys like that's because we see that and Sid is a result of very very bad parenting very bad he's got 20 locks on his door he's sleeps just rat in his clothing no sheet on the mattress nothing on the mattress it's like he's like a lunatic just living in a room and they don't really care so it's just bad parenting if you ask me terrible I agree he's, uh, he's, he's just that kid that's just allowed to do anything so as we all know that kid that was just allowed to do anything and got away with anything no boundaries yeah and they're always a bit of a nutter it was a bit it's a bit scary sometimes being involved with that that particular kid well I never really <laughs> I never really noticed this stuff as a kid obviously I knew that Sid was the antagonist but never really some of the layering to it it's good it's just really well put together it's a good film it's funny I think you know obviously we say these things with a pinch of salt don't we that it's bad parenting and stuff like that obviously we know that it, it's animated and it's silliness but sometimes these things happen don't they that kids get a bit over imaginative with things and destroy them well, it just, just take things apart and put them back together again in different ways you know it's, it's what happens that's just a broad stroke he just doesn't look like a very well looked after kid not to say that that's his fault but the fact that his you know bed is you know uh, not got sheets on etc and he's sleeping in his clothes and he's wearing the same clothes day after day and etc it's like he at least you know give the kids some hygiene you know what I'm saying <laughs> we get that sequence with the with Sid blowing up the toy and then we get yeah we get Woody's revenge where Buzz falls out of the window yeah he uses RC doesn't he to the remote control car to I think initially just like hit him with it because all these other things happen so the pin board then falls hits the globe the pins all fall down the globe then rolls towards him he then jumps on the window ledge the globe then hits the lamp the lamp then spins around and hits him out the window so the intention was to never actually get him hit him out push him out the window the intention was always to to hurt him or push him down the side of the desk with the magic eight ball just trap him get him down there if he's down there his dungeon the only person that will find him and be able to get him out of it realistically is Andy now, this no is one left else. with the spiders and the dust and the magic able that he's just forgotten about now. I'm really upset. You're really about concerned. Really upset about this magic able. Where's your magic able that you <laughs> had, Dom? Check down the side of your bed. Maybe, maybe Mickey got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey pushed him off. Yeah. So the intention isn't to to knock him out the window, but it just happens that way. So I think there's a genuine like, oh, oh no, that wasn't meant to happen. But then RC's like, he made me do it. He made me drive into him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the toys turn on Woody. Yeah, led by Potato Head. Really, he's like a bit of a bit of a ringleader, isn't he? At yeah. That point. Yeah. And yeah. Slinky tries to stick up for him as much as he can because he loves Woody. Like I said, he's like his dog, isn't he? He's like a man and his dog. Ah, uh, I never even. Sometimes you say things, Dom, and um, they just click. You know? <laughs> of course. Because there's the the bit right at the beginning where um, Potato Head takes his lips off and touches him against his bum, doesn't he? Because like, <laughs> he's an arse licker or a kiss arse sort of thing. And that's the that's the adult joke in that scene, isn't it? Yeah, I noticed that for the first time on this viewing as well. <laughs> so, right, so Buzz falls out the window and then this is where Andy's going to go to Pizza Planet. His mum says, let's go you to Pizza take, Planet. You can take one toy. You can take one toy with you. He can't find Buzz. Which is the appropriate toy for Pizza Planet. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that either. And then sort of reluctantly takes Woody. Yes. Because default. Can we just go back to one little point? Is that we've missed Woody spending a night in the toy box. Do you remember this? No. Woody spends a night in the toy box. Because, but Buzz is like first night in the house. He gets to sleep in it. Or when, when it all changes to... Buzz like your bed sheets and Buzz pictures on the walls oh. as part of that montage. Yeah, yeah. Woody then spends the night in the box. Yeah. I only bring this up because it's I think it's my favourite line in the film. Let's hear it. Where Woody gets up, opens the box up, he's looking around and he goes, "Hey, who's got my hat?" And the shark appears with the hat on and says, "Look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy." Just <laughs> <laughs> my favourite bit. I love that bit. It's just a great bit. Finally. Ugh. Hey, who's got my hat? Look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Ah-ha, uh-huh, ah-ha, uh-huh. give me that. A great detail on the shark is it has the, um, like, air holes in its mouth, because that's like a bath toy. Yeah. Right, that you'd have in the bath, and you'd squeeze all the water around. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, nice. I just had to bring that bit back, because I really like that bit. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Sorry. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> and he goes, give me that, and takes the hat back. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, nice. Good so, anyway, Woody's on his way to Pizza Planet with Andy, and Buzz comes out of a hedge, and he's covered in like leaves and stuff, and he sees the cars going, and he runs after the car, and manages to, to jump in just in time. And then when they get to... Oh, he confronts Woody at this point, doesn't he? He's just I like, think that's more why he's chasing the car, to yeah. be like, hey... You've perpetrated me. Yeah, you've 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 done wrong, and I need to to put right what you've done. And then they get to the petrol station, don't they? That's it. And then they have the confrontation, and they're out of the car. They have the fight in the car. That's it. That knocks then, them out. Yeah. yeah. They they then end up rolling out of the car, and as they're fighting around underneath the car, that Andy and Mum get back in and drive off. That's it. And this is where we get Tim Allen's favorite line of. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Farewell. It's because it's because Buzz. Um, it's because Woody goes. You are a toy. That's and, it. and then he says, "You are a sad, strange little man." Like as if you're you're wrong here. Yeah. You're you're crazy <laughs> for thinking this way. And Woody's looking around. How am I? How are we going to get home? And then he sees the Pizza Planet delivery car, which has the Pizza Planet like spaceship on top. Just before that is the truck, isn't there? The, the big lorry drives in. It's like... Burr, burr, and they're like... Toot, ah, toot. And Buzz... Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. Buzz does the simple thing and runs away. Woody drops down as a toy. Plays toy, doesn't he, essentially. So he does his job. He's not going to be seen to be moving around and, and alive. And the lorry is like touches his the the front tire of the lorry just like touches his head, and then you see like this genuine fear in the characters. He like backs away from it and then gets up and runs away. And then yeah, sorry to sort of interrupt. He then sees the pizza planet ship and he's like, oh, I found a way to get to to Andy. And then he's like, Buzz, Buzz, come here. And Buzz is like, Oh, shut up, whatever. And carries on walking away. He's like, No, I found a spaceship, and that's the only way to bring him back. And he's like, oh, A spaceship, and he's like, Yeah, and it's going to like. Sector 9 or whatever. Yeah, well, I, th- I think he's like, it's going to Spaceport. Yeah, that's it. Or something like that. And he gets him to come with him. And then Buzz is, uh, he's like, oh, let's climb in the back. And Buzz goes, no, let's get in the front because it, it has 
I can't remember the exact line, but it has like securing devices for a more comfortable ride. And he's like, oh, whatever. And he climbs in the back and he just gets absolutely battered in the back of the, the <laughs> pizza delivery thing, uh, truck. Uh, gets hit by a toolbox and all sorts of buzzers just sitting pretty with a little lap strap on, just, you know, waiting to get to Pizza Planet. <laughs> nice. Exactly that. Perfect. So we get well, the, the pizza delivery van pulls up, doesn't it, outside Pizza Planet. And I don't know if you see Andy or anything go in, but anyway, they they get there and they're looking and trying to find a way in. And Buzz is the first one to look and sees the big robots sort of thing that are like have the shutters. So they got like crossed like axes or something, and then they pull them all open and go, "Welcome to a pizza planet." And he's like, oh, "How are we going to get in? Because they've got guards." <laughs> that whole pizza planet setup looks so awesome like if that was a real place i would be there as frequently as my wife would let us <laughs> and I'd, it'd be high on a suggestion list every time because every... <laughs> it looks awesome yeah from the doors to the whole thing we'll just go and not tell her if they don't have this already in one of the disneylands they should have a pizza planet restaurant yeah surely yeah it must be one surely yeah they must i mean either like matt Last week on the Mighty Ducks, when Matt Doherty said the mouse will, will be after you, and I think if we took this idea, the mouse would definitely be after us. Okay, well then, <laughs> then tell your boy Mickey he needs to create a pizza planet so we can just be patrons. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so they disguise their way in by hiding under a pizza planet cup and like a burger box. Box, yeah, to get in, which is clever because obviously they can't just walk in because they're toys. I like that bit, yeah, and then the doors open and Buzz is like, now, and they go running. And the box opens when he talks. So when Buzz is talking, the box is like moving. And my favourite bit in this scene is when Woody then turns around to talk to Buzz, it's the straw that turns around and directs the conversation towards him. And then they turns back around and carries on the other way. I was like, he's using it like a periscope sort of thing. But I thought, oh, I love that bit. Really good. They're all, all of the, throughout all these Pixar films, they have great moments like this. Like just great little intricate touches that just make it so interesting to watch. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> they then run into Pizza Planet and then they dive into uh, into a claw arcade machine. Is it that they do that because they see Sid and then they run in there? Or is it they just running in there to hide? N- no, before that they, they're looking for Andy and they, uh, they run between the machines. They almost get in the bottom of the pram, the don't yeah. they? And Woody's like, okay, ready, Buzz, ready, ready, ready. And three, two, one, and he's not there. He turns around and Buzz has run towards the spaceship and it says on the screen next to it, ready to launch. So he's like, that's my way home, you know, and and goes and runs through the flap. And then Woody kind of, I think by this point, is seeing a sense of, or his morals are like coming back, basically. He was like, okay, it's not just about going home. Actually, forget all that, can't all that bit out because actually there's no morals in this at all. Woody at this point is going I can't get home without him and he's buggered off over there into the ship I need to go and get him so it's not that he feels responsible for his well-being it's actually that's his ticket back yeah. into his community and his ticket back to being the alpha he's all space rangery if I turn up with him home I'm kind of a hero because I've brought him back even though I've made this mistake and they'll accept me again that's all he cares about that's what he's interested in so he then dives in and then we meet the three-eyed aliens a fan favourite. Oh, <laughs> the claw. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've been chosen by the club. <laughs> it's yeah. like a cult, isn't it? They're so brilliant. They actually remind me of something of like that South Park would would do, or <laughs> just the oh, the club, <laughs> the chosen one. It's brilliant, and they must be a popular toy. Mm. Like I want one yeah. now after like a little free eyed. <laughs> a stranger from the outside. Greetings, I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. I need to commandeer your vessel to Sector 12. Who's in charge here? The Claw. The Claw is our master. The Claw chooses who will go and who will stay. This is ludicrous. Claw, it moves. I have been chosen. Farewell, my friends. I go on to a better place. Gotcha. And this this is where Woody sees Sid playing on the like the, the whack-a-mole machine that's actually aliens coming through a astronaut's chest. And he's like standing on the machine and smashing it, then smashes the actual like screen of the machine and stuff like that. He doesn't play nicely, does he? Anger. Anger issues. This kid's gonna be in anger therapy at some point or prison yes yeah. <laughs> and this is where they hide don't they They so they're underneath the aliens as Sid comes over and he goes oh look we little aliens or whatever and he puts his money in and picks an alien out and he wins one and the alien's like I have been chosen by the claw <laughs> he's like taken out and he's like wins an alien and as he wins that alien he sees Buzz Lightyear like lying there and he's like oh Buzz Lightyear toy because he's like well, and it's, the, idiot it's, it's the hot toy of the minute, isn't it? It's like the toy that you're imagining everywhere is sold out of and so yeah. on and so forth. Um, so he puts his money in again and then Woody's looking for an escape route and he sees the little hatch on the back, obviously, where they put the toys in. And he manages to open it. But as he's doing that, Sid has selected and has managed to... Cl- I don't know how he manages to win twice in two goes... Because I've played these toy games, right? And I have never, ever won. Ever. Except for when we went to the Isle of Wight and there were sweets ones. <laughs> so this machine just full of sweets. You put your money in and it just claws out sweets for you. One every time. Perfect. That's the best machine ever. Just winning. I want one. We should get one. A sweet machine. Let's get one. We could just buy tons of sweets. Okay, I'll do that for next time. <laughs> next podcast is just rustling. I, which is which is our pet peeve. I actually yeah. there are a couple of podcasts that I've listened to where sometimes people eat on the podcast. What and is it's, wrong with people? Right? Don't do that. Right. It, we we have a drink every now and then, but we're really quiet about it. We're really careful. Yeah. I even try and edit it out if like there's times where you can hear it like what? touching, like clinking the coaster yeah. or whatever. Coaster, you hear how civilised we are? <laughs> anyway, back to Toy Story again. So, Woody, Woody is trying to escape through the little hatch. Buzz has been selected and has been pulled out, which is the likelihood of that is ridiculous. Well, I um, guess because he's, he's bigger than, than the little aliens and he's quite clawable in a way because his body is kind of wider in some areas than in others so i guess the claw is probably designed to not get things that big so it probably does make it a little bit easier if we want to talk about it (laughs) if we want to get get that the theory of the claw in there yeah (laughs) and then buzz so buzz is being pulled out woody then sees it 
grabs his leg and almost gets him free and gets him out through the little hatch because he's outside the hatch like got his feet on the side and he's pulling and he's yanking Buzz to, to get him out and the aliens they believe in the claw they stop this from happening they cult they go full cult they go full cult on him and they push him uh, and then he ends up like Hulk grabbing onto his leg doesn't he and then they pulled out and says like oh two for one you must obey the claw <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he gets two for one, he gets Woody sort of dangling, which is a good touch, is that Woody goes straight into toy. He knows as soon as he's about to be seen, he has to be a toy again. Yeah. So they get caught by Sid, which is, you know, the worst thing that could happen for them. But good in a way, I guess, because it's going to get them back at least next door to Andy. Yeah. So Sid takes the toys home and he's saying, let's go home and play. Dun, dun, dun. We get introduced to Sid's dog, whose name is Scud, and Sister Haley. Now, this is the second dog, I guess, that we've really been introduced to, because we were introduced to Mutt in Smart House, and now we have Scud in Toy Story. I actually can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think the name Mutt is better than the name Scud. <laughs> yeah. I think I agree with you there. <laughs> so when we're in Sid's house, he instantly snatches a like a sort of like a Barbie doll, but not a Barbie doll, off of his sister and starts doing surgery on it. And he's sort of narrating and doing the commentary as he's doing it. And this is showing the polar opposites of how he plays with his toys. So like Andy, he's doing the voices and oh, doctor, da, 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 and whatever, whatever. But he's doing it where he's like cutting off a doll's head and putting on like a pterodactyl's head. And again, one of the best lines in the film where Buzz and Woody are looking through the bag and they're watching and <laughs> Buzz says, I don't believe that man's ever been to medical school. <laughs> I love that bit. I don't believe that man's ever been to medical school. I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's another one that's in there for, for the parents, isn't it? For the adults. And then we get introduced to these like hybrid toys that include like the the baby doll's head on like the robotic like spider body. It's and... like Bacano, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got the one that always freaked me out the most and still does to this day is the legs that's also on like a fishing reel or like a yo-yo there's a fishing rod yeah that's terrifying (laughs) because no the baby's the creepiest one it's only got one eye yeah and it's got its hair it's like all uh sort of poked in in little dots sort of like hellraiser yeah yeah is it hellraiser or pinhead what am i thinking of uh the film's hellraiser the character's pinhead so both yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a serious look (laughs) Woody is terrified of these toys. This is not what he's used to. Buzz is a bit shocked by them as well, I think. But, you know, he's a space ranger. He can deal with aliens. Well, to him, it's like he's on a new planet. And yeah. These are the inhabitants of the planet. <laughs> it's coming to my favourite bit. I think probably my favourite scene. Speak on it. Andy and his mum pull, pull in. And I think you hear Andy saying that he can't find them. And the mum's like, oh, they'll turn up, sort of thing. You know, she's just not worried about it at all. Because uh, kids lose toys, don't they? You know, some lose them down to the side of a desk. 
Summer pushed. <laughs> it then moves on to Sid, like torturing Woody. So he gets the magnifying glass and he starts like pretending to like question him, like who sent you or something like that. I can't remember what he says, but then he starts burning him using the magnifying glass and the sunlight on his head. Wait. And then he gets called down for Pop Tarts. That's it. I think the mum says, Are your Pop Tarts already? He's like, Oh, great, and runs out. And he gets back up and he's worried about the hole in his head and he looks in a mirror. I suppose it's the vanity of Woody, really, isn't it? Because rather than realising straight away that the door is open, which he does eventually, he goes to look to make sure that the hole in his head isn't going to last forever. Yes! <laughs> Love that! <laughs> Love that! Oh, dear. That was great. So then they, 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 he goes running, like Buzz, they notice the door's open, and then Buzz goes running straight out, doesn't he? And crosses the sort of like hallway and notice the window is open. Which is when, like, Woody's, like, looking around and he crawls over to him, doesn't he? Well, they're trying to hide from Scud, the dog. He's asleep at the bottom of the stairs. And the one thing I would say is all of the graphics, they're great. They still hold up. And that's a, that's a big thing to say with 25 years on. The one bit that lets it down just a tiny little bit, or it doesn't let it down, but shows that it's a bit dated it in some of the graphics. It's age. Is the dog. I mean, the graphics on the dog were a little bit blocky. Mm. Which, again, I'm not, like, trying to nitpick or, or anything, but it was just something that I, I picked up on. So, yeah, so Woody crawls past. Woody and- crawls past, and then as he gets up, his pull string gets caught on the railing, and it says... I can't remember what phrase it says. Yeah. Anyway, and it makes the noise, and the dog wakes up, and they freak. And Buzz says, let's split up. So they do, they split up. I don't know why they split up, but they do. And uh, Woody goes into a room and shuts the door. And Buzz goes into the room where the, the dad's asleep. That's watching it. Watching te- telly. I think there's an advert for Al's toy barn comes up. The Buzz Lightyear advert. He sees the advert that he is a toy. That's right, Which yeah. changes his whole demeanour. But then we also see the dad's like asleep and the room's a bit sort of... He's got a can of something, hasn't he? And Yeah. yeah almost... Almost feels like it's a bit smoky in there as well. I mean, it probably isn't, but it's, it gives you that feeling that yeah, it's just a bit of a maybe like a bit of a lay about dad. But you know, we can't make these judgments. We don't know the guy. True, <laughs> he might just be having a nap after being down at the soup kitchen. Yeah, helping the after, homeless after working you know eighty hours that week in exactly. sewers. <laughs> Why is he in sewers? Just cleaning them out. <laughs> I don't know. For a job or just for a hobby? Job. Sure. Job. Okay. The hobby's the soup kitchen. Feeding the homeless. So he's a great all-round guy. <laughs> Providing a service. Anyway, so Buzz sees the Space Ranger advert and he's like, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe, maybe Woody's right. Everything sort of starts, like everything that Woody's been saying is, is becoming a bit more real now. It says on the advert that this is not a flying toy. Yeah. Like, notice this is not a flying toy, like in like the small print and whatever. And this then leads Buzz on to try and fly out the window because he's almost having the internal battle with himself that, no, I am a space ranger. I can do this. I can fly. And he looks up. And does he see a bird fly past? Or am I making that up? Is it a flying V? Is it the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a full V, but he sees... Uh, yeah, I think something flies past, but he can see out the window. The window's wide open. It's a pretty high window uh, at the top of the stairs. How would you even open it? Anyway, <laughs> the window's open. He climbs up onto the railing, doesn't he? And thinks, right, if if I make this, I think this is that kind of that 
pivotal moment of if I make this, I'm a space ranger. If I don't, I don't know what I am. And then he jumps and he goes, and then you just see the the fear as he starts falling and he lands and he loses an arm or an arm comes off, doesn't it? He does. It's lucky that it's not a clean break. But yeah. you can see that you can just squirt that like, back, screw it back in. in. Yeah. So that's fortunate for Buzz. And then he gets stepped on by Sid's sister, who then goes, ooh, okay, and like picks him up and takes him upstairs. And then Woody re-emerges from the room that he hid in, and they're looking around, and he's trying to find uh, Buzz. Like, Buzz, 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 where are you? Then he hears Haley's like, playing, and says, like, oh, would you like some more tea, Mrs. Nesbitt? And then Buzz is there holding a mug, and there's Mrs. Nesbitt with a nice little blue daisy hat on and a, like a pinny with a heart on it. And he's just sort of sitting there looking super depressed with his arm on the table. And this is the, I think this is a great scene because Woody breaks that toy rule, doesn't he? And goes, Hayley, can you come here? Sort of like, and, and she thinks it's the mum. And he goes, right. Like, yeah. he goes running and says, where are you? And then he goes running and he goes, right, Buzz, Buzz, come on, come on, come on. And Buzz, at this point, is like, I'm not Buzz. I'm Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> just like completely lost it. I think you've had enough tea for today. Let's get you out of here, Buzz. Don't you get it? You see the hat? I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> Snap out of it, Buzz. Well, thinking about that, yeah, he, Woody breaks, like, the internal fourth wall. Yeah. That's crazy. Absolutely. Well, what I like about this sequence as well is we get to see playing with the toys, but from a girl's perspective. So now we've seen Andy playing with the toys from, like, sort of the, in air quotes, nice kid angle. And then we've got Sid from potentially the, you know, the naughty kid angle. And then we've got Haley that seems to play over her toys nicely. Mm. Um, so from like the nice girl angle. So it's nice to get these different perspectives. And she's playing with, with them nicely and he is Mrs. Nesbitt. And what I love about it is that he's drunk. He's, like, he's basically drunk at this point because even Woody goes, okay, I think you've had enough of that. And it's just like imaginary tea. It moves it away from him. But he plays this like little drunk character quite well. Like, as Mrs. Nesbitt is <laughs> brilliant. It's, yeah, again, it's great layering for like the parents and the adults and repeat viewing. So this is where Woody is starting to try and convince Buzz that we need to go back. We need to get back. Then Woody, he gets up onto the window sill and can see the the other toys from across the like garden or yard or whatever. Yeah. And he's trying to say to them, hey, we're, I'm here. Buzz is here. We're going to come back. But Buzz won't come up to the window sill. So... Instead, he throws him an arm. Where he says, can you give me a hand here? And he yeah. throws off his arm, which is brilliant. And then he's trying to convince them that he's not a psychopath and he hasn't killed Buzz or trying to attempt to kill him or whatever. And then he sort of turns around and they see that he's just holding Buzz's arm, which doesn't help with his ploy yeah. to get them to trust him again. Best throw in a film ever at this point in this scene where he the lights are on the table... And he's just like, here, take the other end of this. Whack! And this tiny toy has thrown these lights across to another building. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it doesn't come to fruition anyway. It's a... Well, it's Potato Head again, isn't it? With his gangman like attitude, mentality. And he's just like, nah, mate, you're a murderer. Let's the lights go. He does. And it's this is the heartbreaking moment, isn't it? 
because he's like you said he's trying to convince them he's got the arm he's pretending that they're both spuds and they've got this handshake and then all of a sudden he like pulls the arm back and they're like ah and they think he's a definitely a murderer magic cable and <laughs> potato head then drops the light saying no he can stay over there with like the bad kid sid bad kid sid that's you know another film we could make and this is the heartbreaking moment because this is where Slinky starts to walk away and he's like, Slinky, Slinky. And he sort of looks back, doesn't he? he like He lets the blind down, doesn't he? And he's like, Slinky. And he's gone. Slinky does not trust you anymore. You murdering piece of <laughs> <laughs> That's what they think anyway. Yeah. They do. <laughs> As Woody is upset by this and he's sort of coming to the realisation that he might not get out of here, he might not get back to Andy, Sid's toys come out and again, Buzz and Woody are very scared by them but they actually come and they fix Buzz and they show that they've actually fixed the pterodactyl and they fixed the doll that Sid had surgically manipulated <laughs> earlier on. And actually, they're they're all good toys as well, and it's just they're in unfortunate circumstances that they've found themselves in Sid's room. Sid then straps a rocket to Buzz, saying he's going to put the spaceman into space as he prepares for launch. But fortunately for Buzz, launch is delayed as there's rain. Adverse weather. He sets an alarm and says they'll do it first thing in the morning and then gets into bed well not into bed onto the bed in his clothes and Woody is trapped in in a box or under a crate isn't it yeah because he hides in the crate when Sid comes back in the room because Sid actually wants to attach the rocket to him that's it he hides in the, the top doesn't he yeah so as he lifts up the crate you think oh he's going to find him and he's just holding on which is a really great moment and the, he leaves the crate on the desk and then he hides under a bit of paper or like a notebook doesn't he that Sid's left it up the crate over as he's attaching the tape to the tape in the rocket to buzz so he's stuck in the in the crate that then has a toolbox on it which has been for tools yeah which you mentioned earlier so buzz at this point has lost all hope he just thinks he's a stupid toy but woody then starts to try and motivate buzz and woody is realizing that it should have been him strapped to that rocket and he's starting to sort of redeem himself as a character and come into these realisations that, you know, he needs to be a good guy. Yeah, definitely. It's this point that he's made like a full turn, that he understands that he he still knows he wants to get home, but he wants to get home with Buzz. I think he says to him, he's my friend at this point. So he feels like they have become friends. Well, Woody and Buzz reconcile and now they will work together. So we get to the start of the final act. So we're a little bit under an hour into the film at this point. The moving van is here because that's the other thing that we forgot to, to add in earlier at the beginning is the stakes have risen even further because Andy is moving home. So they actually have a time clock on them being able to get back into Andy's bedroom, into Andy's house. So Woody is free from his where he's been trapped and um, Sid wakes up and it's time for liftoff so Sid's got his bum in the air on the bed and he says I want to ride the pony <laughs> he does which and maybe shows his inner softness yeah, his and inner so his child. insecurities is what makes him project this uh, fake bravado of anger exactly he just wants to ride ponies yeah absolutely 
Buzz has been taken outside by Sid, ready to be blasted off into space uh, on this firework. And Woody and the other toys, the mishmash of toys, have, have, are putting this plan together of how they can rescue him. And uh, this is where they become like a good group and a good sort of collective. Do you know that there's a weird little fan theory that Toy Story was the idea for The Walking Dead? No. Yeah. How? It's a sheriff that is in charge. Right. Rick. Yep. Um, and it's like a mishmash of people. Carl. So. <laughs> Carl. 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 The toys are like a mishmash of different people and stuff, and that they all follow this. Yeah. All right, now. It's, it's apparently some sort of lead to The Walking Dead. I can see that, yeah. There's some, there's some good uh, references there, yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So they, they formulate this plan, and it involves getting around the dog. We need to get rid of the dog, because that's what's going to stop us from being able to save Buzz. Because we can scare Sid easily, but probably not the dog. So they formulate quite a clever plan. The duck and the fishing rod on legs, <laughs> they go and ring the doorbell, don't they? So these go through the light switch, the light, and then they swing and press the bell. The sister goes and answers the door, and the, they know that at that point the dog will go running downstairs because the dog's at the door, at the bedroom door, trying to get at them, at the toys. So the dog then knocks the sister over, Haley over, um, and is outside, and she's like, oh, stupid dog, and shuts the door. And then carries on like about her business. And the dog then runs into the door. And is just stuck outside then. And then they can like whiz around on the skateboard. Slash half man half skateboard thing. And drive out to go and save Buzz. And then they there's like a signal isn't there. That then all of the toys start coming out of the sand. And out of the puddle. And these are the walkers in The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well it's again they're all breaking the internal fourth wall of their all have decided no we're gonna show him that toys are real and they're alive and you can't treat toys like this yeah or well, what does what does woody say when he turns like, he, he's got woody at this point and he's like he's he's saying all the things that you just said so you you can't treat us this way and it's it's not fair and blah blah, blah. and then his head spins doesn't it so it's just like a perfect head spin. And then all of a sudden he becomes real and goes, so play nice. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. And he goes, ah, and freaks out and runs away. And then he then bumps into Haley at the front, who's still at the front door. And he goes, nice dolly, because she's got a doll. And then she chases him around with it and stuff like that. And hopefully this is the beginning of Sid's new life. You know, potentially, this is it. It's changed him. He now plays nicely with toys. I don't know, do we ever get any references back to Sid in any of the other films after this? Not that I remember. Not that I can recall. There probably is some clever little background references, like he became a veterinarian or something. Or... Probably never had any toys ever again. Yeah. <laughs> it's then moving day, isn't it? And Andy and Mum and the truck are about to go and are pretty much leaving and they have to find a way to 
to get into to, the van because it's literally that they're leaving right now. Yeah. Andy's saying to his mum, but I still can't find Woody or Buzz. So they're running after the van, aren't they? The dog chases them. The dog's chasing them, that's right. Yeah. Scud is chasing them. I forget, he plays a, a pivotal part in yeah. sort of almost faltering their, their plan. Because one of them lifts his eyelids. This is really like, ah! <laughs> sort of moment. That dog gets far away from his house. Yeah. I hope he's found. <laughs> I think the dog gets Woody, doesn't it? Woody's clinging on for dear life, sort of onto Buzz and that rope on the back of the lorry. And then Buzz sacrifices himself to say Woody. Which is something that goes to his character traits because would Woody have ever done that for Buzz? I guess he would hope that he would have now that he's redeemed himself, but yeah. we sort of know that Buzz has been like this from the beginning. Mm. And then he lifts up the back of the lorry, so not only can he throw an incredible distance, something that is human size, he can lift the back of a lorry, which, you know, having done that a few times at, at work, they're quite heavy, quite weighty, so he's a strong little cowboy. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he then picks the remote control car out doesn't he and he kicks the remote control car off the back of the lorry and they're like there oh he's been a murderer again and he gets lifted up by the by the the muscly toy and then thrown off the mm, lorry yeah this is what happens so he's thrown off the lorry and then he uses the remote control car to basically go and get buzz and save save buzz because buzz is like hiding under a car while scud is sort of barking at him yeah and they sort of yeah get on the car and they're sort of giving chase again after after the van eventually they get rid of Scud don't they Scud then the, the car cra- the cars crash and they all crash like around the dog oh, and, and trapping him in, in the middle that's right yeah 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 so he causes these, these accidents and he's stuck in the middle this is where Andy's toys they throw Woody off the truck and then Woody gets picked up by RC uh, and then the toys the rest of the toys on the van realise that they've made a mistake and yeah. actually Woody is trying is with Buzz and they're together and they're friends and then it's Slinky Dog to the rescue as RC is starting to run out of batteries and this is where he's being like spread like as, as far as he can he's only got little arms He's only got little arms. But doesn't it go to show that dogs are the best and they will do what they can to save you? Absolutely. If they're treated well. Hashtag scarred. So, (laughs) Slinky lets go as RC runs out of juice um, and then that's it. It's like Woody and Buzz are trapped and they're stuck uh, in the road as the van's moving off into the distance. And then Woody realises that Buzz is still attached to the rocket uses Buzz's helmet, which was great foreshadowing earlier in the film of using the magnifying glass to light the uh, end of the fuse. He tried to use the match at first, but it got blown out by a moving car. That's right. And then, boom, the rocket goes and they're off. And then suddenly you realise, I just lit a rocket and rockets explode. (laughs) And then they're sort of like, it's like hitting the NOS on a, like a Fast and Furious car. And I love Woody's face, who's just like, <laughs> I realise that there's his sound too, never know. But you know what I mean, like flapping. It's like a G-Force effect on his face. That that actually made me laugh out loud when yeah. watching it, because his face is like so intense. And then the rocket starts to veer upwards, and they cut the rocket loose. Well, they throw the RC into the back of the lorry. That's it. And um, Woody says, you've missed, you've missed the lorry, where are you going? 
and he's like, "We're not, we're not going to Laurie. We're going to the, we're going to Andy." And he's like, oh, "Buzz, you're flying." And he says, "I'm not flying. This is falling with style." <laughs> and they managed to perfectly whoop, into the sunroof of the car, right into the box next to Andy. And Andy pretty much instantly is like, "Oh, Woody, Buzz, they're here in the car the whole time." And his mum's like, "Yeah, of course, we knew, we knew they'd turn up." Which, if Andy had said. They've just appeared in this box where they weren't in before. The mum would be like, what are you talking about? And they would have had to investigate a little bit more. Because he says, oh, they were here the whole time. She thinks they're just in the car. He must have lost them under the seat or something. He's just gone and found them. Well done. Good boy. <laughs> but, you know, lack of explanation. That's lack of communication. Absolutely. So they're reunited. And then we get to our final scene where it is Christmas. And there is new presents. And this time... Buzz and Woody are working together and it's like together they are both the leaders of the community of toys and Woody kisses Bo Peep under the mistletoe where the sheep are holding the mistletoe. Nice. Hey, why not? (laughs) Been through an adventure here. Yeah. And then it ends with, is there, there's one more present. What is it? It's a puppy. (laughs) Which is the perfect end. They look terrified. And there we go. That is the end of Toy Story. Yay! Before we get to our judgments, Dom, I forgot, while we were doing the uh, the ratings game, where you were guessing what the ratings were, I we did the IMDb, and we did the top 250 movies of all time on IMDb, but we forgot to do Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. So, remembering some of our, some our previous episodes that... Saving Private Ryan was 93%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. And then our last episode, Mighty Ducks, was it like 8%? Or... It was really low, yeah. yeah it, was... it was like 9 I think it should be like that. Yeah, and I think Celtic Pride was like 9%. And I can't remember what Fight Club was. But it was quite high. It was maybe 70? like... Yeah, mm-hmm. somewhere like that. Yeah. So where do you think Toy Story is? I'm going to say 80%. Now, I was really surprised by this. But then, not so surprised when I sort of thought about it afterwards. It gets one hundred percent. Got a hundred percent. A hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 chin chin. <laughs> well, let's talk about our own ratings of it. So, Dom, of the main cast, who is your favourite performer? I think it's probably joint Woody and Buzz. I think maybe Woody would outweigh Buzz slightly for me. Uh, I, I quite, I really like Woody in this film. He's very, um, very, ana- very, ana- well, they're all animated, but he's very, you know, lively and like gets frustrated. And I think the way his, the voice fits exactly everything that he does. And You're a big it, Tom Hanks fan. I'd be Tom Hanks fan. I don't, I don't think that, that necessarily is what sways it, but he, um, just the characters are, it goes through a, a big arc like we discuss in, in quite a lot of the other films and he's he's very silly as well and, and just does all these like crazy things and is in the centre of it all and, and you can kind of you see his side but you can kind of see everyone else's side but yeah he's just he's a very lively character that has a lot to say and humorous as well as funny I really like Potato Head as well because he's got some great lines but he's actually not in it that much like for long but you know, but yeah, I think Woody's the best one. You, nice. who, do you, who do you like? I would say Woody as well, um, because 
I feel like I could relate to him. I've had times in my career, notably, where I felt sort of insecure about things and then have sort of acted in ways that have been to try and sort of be someone or like how I'm not. And it's taken time and growing up and etc. to get past that and just let things be, if you know what I mean. So I feel like I could relate to him and I, and I think yeah like you said the voice fits the character really well and I could never imagine anyone else voicing that mm. character I know that that's because that's how we know it but yeah so I'd say Woody Tom Hanks and what would you say for your secondary cast performer the shark of course <laughs> <laughs> I love the shark yeah the shark's great <laughs> I would say I like the cult of the club Me, the little aliens just as they're, they're brilliant. What would you say your favourite scene was? I think it's the tea bit. I'm Mrs Nesbitt. I really like uh, Buzz. Just completely lost it by that point. And he's supposedly drunk. Or playing like a drunk character. It's, it's very funny. I like that bit. Yeah, that is a great scene. What about yours? I would say the claw. Again, I would say probably. Just um, because... It's just got so many funny lines in it and I'm pretty sure I'm going to try and buy one of them little aliens online for the office at some point. I like to... So we're sat in my office at home which has a lot of sort of film, TV, sort of memorabilia bits and stuff in. I like to try and get a little something from each film that we're covering to kind of make it like the home office but also like our podcast studio. (laughs) What would you say about the music? So by Andy Newman, as we said earlier. Randy Newman. So what do you think of the music by Randy Newman, as we said earlier? <laughs> um, you've got a friend in me is is iconic, isn't it? Is just you you think you got a friend in me, you think Toy Story. You think Toy Story, you think you got a friend in me. So yeah. I mean, they come hand in hand now, don't they? And the other songs, I did I did listen to the other songs throughout the film because as much as they all sound like You've Got a Friend in Me, they're, they are slightly different and related to what's going on at, at that point in the film. So when he's about, when Buzz wants to jump through the window and go flying and he falls, there's another song there and, you know, it's, it's a nice touch. To her. It's all really good, you know, and it's not, and it's made for the film. It's not just popular music that's just thrown in which I like it's perfect in terms of you've got a friend in me to a lot of the time if you're playing on your own as a kid it's that you your friends aren't there but you've always got a friend in the toy like it's it's perfect I'm, I'm not explaining it very well but it is a perfect song to fit the film I really like it when you know the music has purposefully been written for the film for those reasons because it ties in so perfectly yeah so yeah I'd say that's great we've talked about themes as we've gone through it is a brilliant film so let's finish by saying Dom firstly would you recommend this film to a friend yes definitely and probably not just people with kids but I'd say you know I have kids watch Toy Story and if you know but because that's we're at that age now where people are having children that you know and stuff like that so or have kids that are toddlers or whatever so trying to encourage them to watch it but even adults that haven't seen it or ever seen it before and say oh i've never actually seen toy story but like you're missing out watch it don't worry about watching the other three for now (laughs) get this one done well this is one of the films that mentioning the other three that it holds all of them are brilliant 
they're all continue they're all at that continual high standard and that's the same with pretty much all pixar films there's hardly any i can't think of any that Mm. are not great films which is impeccable for a production company to have a repertoire of catalog of movies like that to that level just make good choices don't they completely and i yeah i certainly would recommend this to someone so we now do two ratings on the film we do a objective rating so what you think of the movie as you know putting your film critic hat on and then your subjective rating of what you think of it taking into account nostalgia and memories etc so dom objectively what would you mark toy story out of 10 well, it's a pivotal film in a time where the digital age is becoming more prominent so there's lots of things happening and obviously not knowing Steve Jobs' involvement, but if you think about the evolution of of Apple and the evolution of Microsoft and how they impact on technology across the world, and then obviously films like this is was this film was revolutionary in terms of what they did and the your man John, my get, man John making you know these steps to say we need to be doing like three D digital animation. And then going, no, 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 no. Disney saying, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And then actually they eventually, you know, catch on and it's it then boomed from there. And not just with Pixar, but like DreamWorks and, you know, other, other production companies and, you know, sort of doing a similar sort of thing. And I think this is it's like the OG, it's the original one, isn't it? So I think from from a critic's point of view, I, probably, I have to give it like a 9.5. I think it's definitely up there. And Rotten Tomatoes giving it 100% is amazing. What are you... What's holding you off? What's that 0.5? The fact that Woody's a murderer. <laughs> Woody's secret double life. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I, don't, I think it's probably going to take a lot for a film to be a 10, isn't it? If we're, if we're really, like, critical of, of things. And, you know, kind of what you were saying about the dog and some of the animation, it's really early animation. And I'm rating it from now. I think if I was rating it then, one, I would have been eight. But <laughs> but if I was like this age then, it would be a, wow, this is probably a 10. I think looking at how things have evolved and moved on and, and we're just being, you know, just two guys sitting in an office discussing a, a film from, you, you know, 20 plus years ago, then I think I think 9.5 is fair. And what about your subjective rating? I think probably an 8. So I know, I know it's lower, but this film, although you really enjoyed it, loved Disney, like we discussed you know, earlier on, this wasn't a really like important one to me personally. So it's a great one to watch and enjoyable and really fun. But it didn't really, it didn't hold any bearing on on me as 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 the as a standalone film. Or you know, I, I didn't think it, this isn't like my childhood saving Private Ryan. If that makes sense, it, this is a it's just another film that I came across that was really good and I really enjoyed and was very funny. And, you know, like groundbreaking as well. So, yeah, I think probably an eight because it is great. It is great entertainment. It is fun. It is silly. All the things I like and it's great animation, but it doesn't have that any more personal edge than any other film would do to me. What about all your ratings? So your objective and subjective. So objectively, I I find it hard. I want to say 10 because it is pretty perfect. And I try to think of reasons to not give it 10. I am quite kind, I think, with some of the ratings at times. Um, but 
to me, I am going to say it's like a 10. But even though I like, I agree, and obviously the, the points that I brought up, some of the animation, the dog, etc., it is a bit dated now. But for the time, the story holds up, the writing's brilliant, it's layered so well. Anyone can watch this and enjoy it. Anyone. And that's really special, I think. So for me, this is an objective 10. And then subjectively, now this is where this is a bit crazier, I would rate it down a little bit in terms of, I'd probably say an eight is about right because it was, like you said, it wasn't like a massively, it wasn't like Mighty Ducks 2 or, you know, Face Off and Die Hard and these ones that are like, I would watch over and over again. Like I had a lot of love for it. I was super excited about it when it came out. I was thinking about it while doing backstroke in the swimming pool. You know, these these were it was an important film in in those regards but it wasn't in the complete upper echelon for me echelon what did i say echelon (laughs) it wasn't in the upper echelon for me but (laughs) it is uh an amazing an amazing movie so i'll give it a 10 objectively an 8 subjectively but dom do you know what it's time for chose this film for me for me to do the deep dive on <laughs> so now it is my turn to tell you and our listener hopefully by this point <laughs> what you will be deep diving into for our next episode I always have a slight nervousness at this point because there's been three now that I've not seen before that I've done on this podcast that you haven't seen before like films that I haven't seen before that you've maybe then go and find and watch so yeah. I always think oh is it going to be one that I'm going to know nothing about and have to really try and look into <laughs> or is it going to be something that I know quite well and have no idea and I've picked some pretty hard hitting films with the exception of now Toy Story just to sort of rebalance the scales a little bit so I have no idea absolutely no idea what you're going to come up with I have so many that <laughs> I I want to do and so like as the days go on and like I I put films on the go to sleep by I don't know if I don't know if that's quite common I think quite a lot of people have like noise to go to sleep by but I'm I'm that guy that I always have something on so as I'm going through my plex there's so many films like oh they're all in the 90s and I love them all but I have chosen to go with a darker film this time. Ooh. A bit of a drama, a bit more serious, gritty, something that was big with the Academy, you know, a lot of awards, controversial. What, what, what are your guesses? What do you think? I could have a bit more than that. A clue. It's known for having amazing performances, like acting. It's known for sort of revolutionary directing. It's revered as an amazing, high-quality film. Are you going to make me watch Good Will Hunting? No. Oh. Am I close? You're close in that, you know, they're both known as 
excellent films. Good Will Hunting is a great film, amazing film. I, I said you're going to make me watch it. I didn't mean it like that. I yeah, yeah, yeah. That. No, I know, I know. You want me to tell you? Yes, please. That the movie that I'd like you to deep dive into for us to go into on our next episode, I'm so excited, is Con Air. <laughs> Just compared Good Will Hunting to Conair. <laughs> What's more scary is that I've had to look at that picture of Nicolas Cage the entire way through this podcast. Okay. From Conair. Firstly, now we can post that picture on our Instagram. Yes. Right? We in can. preparation for uh, for Conair. But firstly, have you seen Conair before? I'm certain we've watched it together. We must have. I have seen Conair before, yes. A few times. I also do not own a copy of Conair, so I need to get one. I have one. So okay. <laughs> I've got one up here, I think. Oh, yeah, there. I can see it there. Excellent. So, Dom, Conair is next. Our first Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> first, Hell yes. First of many, I fear. <laughs> so that will be what we are going into on our next podcast. All I can think about is, like, there ain't no God. He don't exist. Where you going? I'm gonna show you God does exist. That is what we'll be going into on our next episode of the podcast. We are all over the interweb now. You can find us at multiple podcast platforms and distributors such as Apple Podcasts in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Listen Notes. Basically, we're across all of the podcast platforms. And you can also listen to all of our podcasts at our website, which is www.themighty90s.com. You can reach out and talk to us there, give us suggestions for TV shows and movies that you think would be great if we could cover, or just to reach out to us. It'd be great to hear from anyone, just to see if anyone is actually listening. You can also reach out to us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram. We are at the Mighty 90s. That's a 90s, something like that. Does that's, that make sense? That's it, at the Mighty 90s, yeah. Okay. You can follow us at the Mighty 90s or... That's it. We haven't got anything else. So lonely out there in this world of self-isolation. God help us all. I'm going to show you God does exist. <laughs> wow. uh, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at the Mighty 90s. So like us on there, follow us on there. It'd be great. As the whole world is going through these horrible, uncertain times with coronavirus, we hope that everyone is keeping safe and we hope that this podcast can help to distract you for an hour and a half during this horribleness and that can help to you know lift people's spirits in in any minor kind of way that would be awesome and uh thank you for listening thank you for your support and we really love doing this and talking about these films and tv shows and this is what we'd be doing if the microphone wasn't here anyway so if we're able to share that with with anyone else then that's really cool yeah, please feel free to, to rate and review and be gentle with us. Wear gloves. And like Simon was saying, stay safe and social distancing. If it's necess- you know, necessary and we need to do it, then let's do it. So thank you for listening. Give us a, 
a rating or a small review, but please be gentle with us. Wear gloves. <laughs>